Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into Scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. up at a school a bus stop every day he was it was a child all through history you see anti-semitism uh, you see people oppressing the jews just because they're jewish and a lot of times that has been from christians and so another important thing for me in this march is showing a different face of christians and that we love and care for the jewish people uh, as christians it is very very important that we stand with the nation of israel because our destinies, the destinies of our nations, all nations are somehow entwined with the destiny of Israel. The messianic movement is very supportive of the Jewish people and people in Israel know it and very feel it in all level, in the politician level, in the regular people, everyone knows it. Last summer, we began our Shalom New York outreach with our first ever March Against Anti-Semitism. More than 200 people walked across the Brooklyn Bridge, gathered in City Hall Park, and held a rally to stand against anti-Semitism. It may seem a bit unusual to begin an outreach with a demonstration, but for our ministry, standing with Jewish people against the hatred they face goes hand in hand with sharing the gospel especially since many Jewish people have experienced hatred and prejudice from Christians, both in the present day and throughout church history. We are continuing our three-part series on sharing your faith, and in this episode, we are covering two important Jewish objections to the gospel. Evangelism is an attack against Jewish people, and I'm Jewish, Jews don't believe in Jesus. Joining us for this episode is Olivier Melnick, the Northwest Regional Director for Chosen People Ministries. So today we are joined by Olivier Melnick, who is a staff member of Chosen People Ministries. He was born and raised in France, um, and he has come here since to serve uh, the Jewish people. Olivier, thank you so much for joining our podcast. Thanks for having me, Abe. 
there's always a question I love to ask new guests. Um, I am a huge foodie. I, I love food. Everyone knows that. Um, and so maybe can you talk about your favorite French dish since you are from France? How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I have too many French dishes that I like uh, to really give you a favorite one. But I'll tell you, you can only get to my heart if you just put a platter of French cheeses and a good uh. baguette on my table. You'll get to my heart. <laughs> that sounds delicious. So I don't know much about French cheeses. Like what What are some uh, styles or what? what do you, whatever you call them? We have over 450 different cheeses in France. So, so I mean, all of them. This, is, this, could, this could be a long podcast, but one of my favorite is a camembert, which is like the French mm. version of the what we call here brie, which is a more uh, a local uh, cheese that we find in Normandy when we, we used to have a house in Normandy. So mm. it's, a, it's the size of a small brie, but it's uh, French cheeses smell a little more than other cheeses, I would say. <laughs> but the, 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 the stronger the smell, the sweeter the inside of the cheese. That's and so it's interesting. Really, really good. Yeah. You just have to come to Seattle. I'll make you try some. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I remember when, uh, is, is raclette French? Uh huh. Yeah. It's Swiss yeah. actually, but oh, we, we Swiss, do it in okay. France everywhere. Okay. Okay. I remember you, you, ser you and your wife served that to me. And that okay. was very, very good. And I've been looking into getting a raclette kit for my own home. <laughs> I remember that you actually made an exception in your dairy that day because you don't do dairy, right? Uh, no, it, I, I'm gluten-free. Oh, that's right. I had the bread. <laughs> dairy, I'm fine with. Give, give me all the dairy. <laughs> all righty. So thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Uh, we're in week two of talking about some of the challenging questions we hear uh, from Jewish people when we are um, doing street evangelism um, or any sort of outreach. So just to kind of get the viewers to understand who you are, can you share briefly your testimony, how you found uh, your faith in Jesus? Sure. I was, uh, you know, I was born in France and uh, of a Holocaust survivor, uh, surviving parents and uh, was not raised in a religious uh, setting. We were, I knew I was Jewish, didn't really matter to me. Uh, we were cultural Jews, agnostic Jews. And uh, in, uh, in the early 80s, I met my wife, who is uh, a, a Gentile a believer in Yeshua. And uh, she uh, challenged me after, you know, spending some time with her. She challenged me to look into the Bible and look for the Messiah, which at the time was not really, uh, not really something that I was interested in. But she insisted because I was in love with her and I said, I want to marry you. And she said, I cannot marry you unless we're, we believe the same way. And that was really weird to me. So eventually she got a hold of a book and she gave me a copy of it. Uh, the book was uh, The Late Great Planet Earth. People right. of my age group will remember, the younger generation probably not so much. We'll put a link and to I, it. Sorry? We'll put a link to it. There you go. And uh, it's a book that, that, that talks about the first and second coming of the Messiah with short prophecies fulfilled. And it was written by Hal Lindsey and it really impressed me. And uh, I, the Bible did not impress me because I just I was not raised l learning or reading the Bible. But that little book was um, very, very impressive to me. And so I read the book and then I got to the place about the rapture and I got scared. And I asked Ellen and I said, well, do you really believe in this? And she said, absolutely, I believe in the rapture and that's why we're going to be separated one day. 
And one thing led to another, and I had no reason to not believe. Uh, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, that day when she explained to me again the message of, of salvation that was so simple, I, I just placed my trust in Yeshua, and that was 37 years ago. That's the, rap the rapture scared me. I didn't want to be separated. So that's, that's, that's the short version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So growing up, um, what was your feeling toward Christians? You know, I because I was I was raised in 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 a an agnostic you know not religious uh, cultural setting. I had friends that were from Africa and friends the friends that were like you know Vietnamese Christians. Uh, it didn't matter to me. My mother was was really uh, uh, struggling with that for reasons that maybe we'll have a chance to cover later. But uh, I didn't have uh, any issues with that. So I had a lot of friends that were Christian, but what you have to understand is that in Europe, for the most part, at least back in my days, and probably still today, uh, the Christians are the Catholics. So for mm. me, when I talk about anything Christian, quote-unquote, mm. uh, it was the Catholics, you know, like 85% Catholics. So a Christian was somebody who goes to Catholic church on Sunday morning and sees a big Jesus on the cross, and yeah. that, that, was the, yeah. that was my understanding of who a Christian is, which of course right. is, you know, wider than that, but... But I had no no animosity against Christians. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. Thank you, Olivier. So where did Chosen People Ministries fit into all of this? How did you get involved? What's your current role? Well, in uh, 1983, uh, I became a believer and got married to my wife. And then we moved back to the States in 1985 and started going to church, started getting involved. Then I uh, got involved uh, uh, on the you know on the side, I had a full time job in graphic design. I got involved with a ministry, a Jewish ministry, uh, for a while that really helped me develop my understanding of the Bible from a Jewish perspective, which is really critical for all believers, I think. And I was approached uh, by actually uh, Mitch Laser, our president, uh, joined that ministry for a couple of years before he came to Chosen People Ministries, and we uh, we got together, we became friends. I already lived in Seattle at the time. And we spent some time together. And when he joined Chosen People Ministries, he sent me an email and said, hey, why don't you join? And, uh, you know, uh, you can go to Chicago, go to Moody, get a degree. And and here we are 22 years later. That's awesome. He's a master recruiter. <laughs> yes. Well, but I, I, my heart was already for, you know, I, I had a heart to reach my people. I just yeah. didn't know that it was going to become my full-time job, my life, yeah. which I'm glad it did. Yeah. And this is a good segue because I'm, I'm sure many times in uh, your ministry to the Jewish people, but also maybe even growing up hearing from, you know, some family that evangelism is an attack on the Jewish people. And over the years, I've heard staff and we've seen on our Facebook comments and Instagram comments that uh, we're, we're worse than the Nazis for trying to share the gospel with Jewish people. What does that mean? It never really hit me that way when, when I was first exposed to the gospel, when, when Ellen, my wife, uh, exposed me to the gospel. She had been going to a church that really understood the Jewish perspective and the place of Israel and the importance of the Jewish people all the way to the end times. So she was really excited to have a Jewish boyfriend. And she, she explained the scripture properly to me. So there was no, I, I didn't have that I didn't feel that way. It's not until I became a believer when I started myself to want to share 
this message of hope with my Jewish people that I realized that there was a, a, a tremendous a, a roadblock and a lot of animosity. And I remember being in the streets of Chicago when I was attending Moody, uh, probably in 1999, if I recall. And every Friday afternoon, I would go on the streets to pass out literature to, sh- to talk with the Jewish people. And they was doing their Shabbat uh, shopping. And there was a rabbi that would come. I didn't know his name, but to this day, I remember him as the mean rabbi. To me, he was mean. I, I'm sure he was not a mean person, <laughs> but to me, he was mean. And so that's right. the name I, when I pray for him. I don't know. He's probably still in Chicago. He would walk next to me and do the goose step, like the Nazi goose steps. And when I would pass my, 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 my literature and say, how many of us are you going to take to the ovens today? I mean, he related the Christian attempt at reaching out to Jewish people to killing the souls of more Jews. That's how, how much, uh, that's the, uh, the the tension there is between uh, non-believing Jewish people and, 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 and believers. Yeah, I mean, the church does have a dark history of anti-Semitism. So what should believers know about it when they are sharing the gospel with Jewish people? Should they even acknowledge that past? Absolutely. You cannot change the past. You cannot ignore the past. You have to not only acknowledge it, but you have to know enough about it. If you want to reach somebody, if you want to you know, interact with somebody and have a conversation, have a dialogue and get to know them, you need they want to know about you. You want to know about them. So the way I explain to people is, uh, is I said, as, as a non-Jewish believer walking into a conversation with a Jewish person, you come with baggage. Uh, picture this big old suitcase with a bunch of stickers on it instead of the countries that, that you went to. On the suitcase, it says the Black Plagues, Martin Luther, the Holocaust, the Crusades, uh, uh, well poisoning, and all those things that uh, that took place throughout 2,000 years of, of church anti-Semitism against my people. And a mm-hmm. Christian, a Gentile Christian walking into a conversation brings that suitcase, that brings that baggage with them, no matter what. They, put it, they don't see it, but they bring it, they put it down. Their Jewish friend knows exactly what's in it. They know all the yeah. different parts. So we as believers, uh, when I say we, I mean being a Jewish believer, I, it's a, a little different, but Gentile Christians need to know Jewish history in light of all the anti-Semitism. They're not anti-Semitic, but most Jewish people will be very, very prudent, very careful when they talk to their Christian friends because they're afraid to be quote-unquote converted, which is another word they don't like to use. So, so there is history and Christians need to know that history so they can defend their position as a biblical Christian and say that this is not me. This is not what I believe. This is not what the Bible teaches. But this is what's been done in the name of Christ by people very often who were not Christians or some who were but very misunderstood. That's great. That was a great word picture um, and, and one that I know I will take with me. So what should believers keep in mind when sharing this good news, specifically with Jewish people, and now knowing that we carry that baggage with us? Patience, patience, patience. <laughs> um, but what we, uh, what believers should keep in mind is that there's a lot of doubt and a lot of skepticism when, when it comes to hearing the gospel. We, have, we are a gospel-resistant people. We just, we are, you know, uh, because of everything that's been done. So when, I think what believers need to do is they need to equip themselves by, you know, learning Jewish history, like the, what we just talked about, but also understand the fundamentals of, of the differences between 
Jews and non-Jews. For instance, uh, it, it shocks people when I tell them, you know, Jewish people don't believe in the New Testament. And the people in churches tell me like, oh, really? So no, the, the Jew, when a Jewish person say my Bible, they mean the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible. Right. The New Testament, they'd see it as maybe a, some history record, but but it doesn't have any value to them. It's not the Word of God. And and I have a way that I introduce, I tell my Gentile Christian friends, I say, if, if you have a Jewish person who's interested in talking about uh, spiritual things, when I tell them, I said, you tell them, listen, I will not look at my New Testament. As, as a Christian, you can tell your Jewish friend, I will not look at my New Testament, even though I believe it's, it's the Word of God. I will put it aside for the sake of the conversation. I would ask kindly that you, as a Jewish person, put the Talmud aside, because I don't think it's inspired. It's got great value, but it's not the Word of God. If just for the time of the conversation, you and I can speak on on a uh, on equal ground and a common denominator, let's use what we both believe is the Word of God, which is the Old Testament or the Tanakh, the Jewish Bible. And then you can go there and go one messianic prophecy after the other, painting the picture of Messiah in the order of the Jewish books. That's what I tried to do. That's that's great. That yes, and that's really exciting because next week we're gonna talk to Dr. Mitch Glazer, um, kind of about how of another objection how christians twist scripture and hopefully he'll talk a little bit about about the old testament and uh and tips that we can use for that so thank you for that if you're enjoying this episode explore this topic further by ordering dr michael brown's groundbreaking book our hands are stained with blood in this book dr brown explores the conversation surrounding anti-semitism church history and evangelism, and explains how we can move forward to stop the hate. Simply go to ourhopepodcast.com forward slash anti-Semitism and receive 15% off. Now back to Abe and Olivier. There's another uh, objection that we've we've heard, and um, this kind of goes in line with this first one. It's that, quote unquote, I'm Jewish. Jews don't believe in Jesus. So Many Jewish people do not know that Jesus is Jewish. What are some key things we need to know about the Jewishness of our Messiah and his message? Well, uh, you know, I have heard that a lot in my years of ministry, and I've even said that not even knowing what I was saying when I was young in France. People would tell me about Christianity or not trying to get me to agree with them, they would just introduce things to me and say, well, you know, I'm Jewish, so that, that to me doesn't, that doesn't apply to me. Well, I think the biggest, the biggest hurdle to really making progress in that, in, in that area is the, uh, the, 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 the fact that people have a misunderstanding. They confuse two words that are very important to, de to define, Jewishness and Judaism. And that's good for Christians as well as Jews. Jewishness is something that is uh, is inherited. It's in the blood. My mom and my dad were both Jewish. I was born a Jew. I'll die a Jew. That's my Jewishness. That's an ethnic right. state. I was born with it. Judaism is something that you believe in, something that you practice. You don't have to be born in a Jewish family to practice Judaism. The point I'm making here is that a Gentile can practice Judaism, it doesn't make him a Jew. It makes them right. a proselyte to, Ju to Judaism. A Jew can practice anything they want. And that's the hypocrisy when you think about it. I have Jewish friends of all walks of life, and they have practiced Buddhism, transcendental meditation. They practice a lot of different things, except Jesus. <laughs> 
because right. there's this block that if you become a Christian, quote unquote, you lose your Jewish identity because they mix the Jewishness and Judaism. And to Jewish people, identity equals survival. Jewish people believe that they have survived for thousands of years because of an identity that has pretty much remained the same throughout history from place to place in the diaspora and back in the land. So identity means survival. If we lose our identity, we're not going to survive. Of course, God is going to let to, to make sure Israel survives and Jewish people survive. But that's very important. So I, we need to understand the difference between Judaism, something you believe, something you adhere to, and Jewishness, something that is in your blood. So how do you respond to that question? If, if, if you're talking to someone and uh, sharing your faith and they come out and say, I'm Jewish, Jews don't believe in Jesus and just brush you off. What, what are some tips you would give and, and how to respond? Well, I would tell them, you know what? I understand what you're saying because I'm Jewish and I used to believe that. But what I did is I started looking in the Jewish Bible and the hardest part is to look in the Bible and ask God to show him the truth. I believe if you as a Jewish person, like when I'm, I'm talking to an unsaved Jewish person, I, I believe that if you as a Jewish person would ask God to reveal himself and his truth in the Jewish Bible, you would. And then if you're interested, I can walk with you through all the, the prophecies that talk about a Redeemer, a Savior, a Messiah, all throughout the Jewish Bible. And then when we put all those together, they paint only one picture, the picture of Yeshua of Nazareth. So it's a, but it's a process. The thing is, people have to be involved in people's life. People have to commit. It's, it's like discipleship, although it's not discipleship because it's pre-discipleship. But you have to commit to, you have to be interested in somebody's uh, coming to faith. So you have to meet with them and share and then be patient and go one prophecy after the other and discuss it. But when the people are uh, start looking at Scripture with, a, with an open heart, things can change. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You know, um, I think what you're also saying is that believers also kind of need to be equipped to enter into that conversation. So, you know, many believers today aren't even aware of the Jewish roots of their faith. And the irony is that the first century, uh, the you know, Christianity was a sect of Judaism. And Gentiles were asking if they needed to become Jewish to believe in Jesus. How did we, as believers, lose sight of our Jewish roots? Well, uh, first of all, first of all, you have the the law of numbers. I mean, you've got seven billion Gentiles, uh, seven billion people in the world, and out of that seven billion, there's about fifteen, maybe fourteen and a half million Jewish people. So the law of numbers. There's always been a small number of Jewish people, but also uh, uh, the the Jewish aspect of of the Christian faith started to become eroded more and more, like little things were taken away. One of the big ones I remember in history is 325 AD, the Council of Nicaea that was convened to, 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 to fight heresy, which was a good thing. And there's a lot of things that the church fathers did that, was, that were very good. But also during the Council of Nicaea, 
um, the uh, it was it, it was uh, voted on that uh, decided so to speak uh, that Jews and Gentiles should not be getting together anymore and celebrate Passover until 325 AD. Christians celebrated Resurrection Sunday as a connection to Passover because it's you know Passover being fulfilled by the resurrection of the Messiah. Like all the feasts of Leviticus 23 are actually fulfilled in one event in the redemptive career of the Messiah, Passover being the first. And so that started, and then more and more things were taken away uh, from from the Jewish uh, uh, the Jewish heritage of the faith was was basically taken out. So now, uh, when in Acts 15. The Jews did not know what to do if a Gentile would come into the room and, and worship with them. Should we make him into a Jew? Whatever that means. Now today, if a Jewish person would walk into most of, of the churches of the world, uh, there are some few exceptions, but most of them, they would go like, what am I doing here? So it's been completely yeah. turned around. Wow. Wow. So as we wrap up, I know that one of your specialties, uh, I hope that's okay to say, is really in fighting anti-Semitism. And I know that's a, a real big passion of yours. Just in thinking about these two questions or two statements, objections, evangelism is an attack on the Jewish people, and I'm Jewish, Jews don't believe in Jesus. How does supporting Israel and fighting anti-Semitism play a role in sharing the gospel with the Jewish people? Uh, first of all, I got to tell you a little story. I remember one pastor introducing me one day in a church saying, this is Olivia Melnick. He teaches anti-Semitism. <laughs> I had to kindly correct him and said, uh, pastor, I teach against anti-Semitism. Yeah. That, I had to be careful with how I was introducing you because I almost That's that. what he meant. That's what he meant. But, you know, yeah, I, I, I've heard that several times. And I know I don't teach anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is your specialty. Yeah, yeah that's, I teach against it, but that's you got to be careful. Um, yeah. uh, so... Right now, we are seeing, uh, and we don't want to get into you know in anything political, but right now we're seeing a lot of, of of there's a lot of things going on in the world, and and you can really look at how any any time there's a crisis in the world, somehow the Jews get blamed at some level, at some level by some people, and it might be a lot, might be a little bit, but there's always a connection. Israel is responsible. The Jews are responsible. Uh, so that's something that Christians need to understand, that, that the Jewish people have been for centuries what, what we call the, the scapegoats of humanity. Anything bad happens, the, all the ills of the world, the Jews are responsible. Again, not always at the same level, but it's it's like a... You know, a broken record. It always happens. And it, it's inevitable. When something bad happens, I always go like, okay, before we know it, somebody's going to blame the Jews. And sure enough, it happens. Christians today need to, if they want to really bless Israel, which is a, a biblical mandate, you know, Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you, I'll curse him who curses you. If Christians want to be blessed, they want to bless Israel, uh, I think the best way to bless Israel and to bless the Jewish people is to give them the gift that never stops giving. And that's the gift, the gift of the gospel. In Romans 11, 11, we're told that Gentiles are told to make Jewish people jealous. Unfortunately, right. the history shows that Gentile Christians have made my people angry, not jealous. Yeah. So mm. when you study the end times and what God is going to do is coming, bringing back the Jewish people to the land and, and then reestablishing Israel as he's doing right now, uh, 
Christians have, have again this biblical mandate to be part of that and and to be part of that they have to 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 to, to bless the Jews I think any Gentile Christian who reads their Bible properly understands the place of Israel the place of the Jews and they want to do nothing but to bless the Jews mind you as we are the chosen people it doesn't mean we are automatically saved because we're chosen we still need to hear the message of the gospel but in a context that it's not going to be offensive from a person that understands the Jewish history so that there is a, all the roadblocks can be can be avoided with patience but a, a Bible-believing Christian reading their Bible should have nothing but love for Israel and the Jewish people. Yeah, and, and, and I'm sure you agree with this, but standing in solidarity um, with Israel and fighting anti-Semitism isn't just uh, an excuse. It's, it's just the right thing it's to do. It's the right thing to do. There's um, a, there there, there, there are know, a lot of people that are not even Christians who do it because people of goodwill yeah. fight xenophobia racism anti-semitism they fight it because it's right. just just not right 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 and j just on that um we also don't have to agree with everything that israel does to support you know israel we you know we can still um support israel we can still uh, love israel and um and and still you know, have a balanced viewpoint. Absolutely. So, I tell people all the yeah. time, even I don't agree with what the Israeli government does every single day. It changes every hour and a half anyway, so we can't keep up with it. You know? <laughs> but I don't agree with yeah. every move they make. But the, from a biblical yeah. standpoint, I know that we have to stand with Israel because God has a plan yeah. and a purpose for Israel and he's not finished with Israel. Yeah. And the church mm -hmm. has not replaced Israel mm -hmm. in God's plan. Amen. Amen. That's a whole other, a whole other podcast. podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you, Olivier. This was uh, really fantastic. I'm just wondering, do you have any other closing thoughts you'd like to leave with the, the listeners as far as best practices or kind of best ways to engage with Jewish people about, you know, when you're sharing your faith? Uh, I, I, I always encourage people to, uh, I think we've covered that already, to, to, to understand Jewish history in light of anti-Semitism that will open a lot of doors. Uh, that will, uh, I, I would tell uh, Gentile Christians that's good for any kind of witnessing situation, but before you barge in somebody's life, you always need to earn the right to speak. Sometimes they'll take a conversation over coffee and then you're done. Sometimes it'll take several meetings, several years. You never know. But you never know what the person, where the person comes from, how they've been hurt. And in the, in the context of Jewish people, you know, if you don't know anything about the history, then you haven't earned the right to speak. That's great. That's fantastic. Olivier, thank you so much for joining our uh, podcast. Really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Olivier illustrated this so well. As Christians, we carry baggage when we share the gospel with Jewish people. Baggage we may not see, but Jewish people know all about it. We need to learn from the mistakes of the past to change the future of bringing the gospel of hope to Jewish people. As you share your faith, always remember that Yeshua died to restore what was broken. And God can use us to build a bridge between the Messiah and his chosen people. Next week, we will be joined by our president, Dr. Mitch Glazer, to talk about the claim that Christians twist scripture 
when they share their faith and the true meaning of the prophecy of Isaiah 53. And it will be the last episode in this series on sharing your faith, so you don't want to miss it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Today's episode was made thanks to Dr. Mitch Glazer, Olivier Melnick, Nicole Vaca, Grace Sui, Elisabetta Karp, and Kyron Bautista. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out OurHoPodcast.com or ChosenPeople.com. See you next time.